Welcome to the Ford and Ford podcast. This series is to showcase and profile some of the interesting and wonderful people I have come to know over 20 years of being in financial services. We are a financial planning business that is proud of its personality and believe that this is key to forming long-standing relationships. In this episode, we talk to Morton Allpass, owner of Allpass Farriers. Morton has a very interesting tale to tell of his journey from Denmark to becoming an extremely well-respected farrier. He tells us about his time working in the Australian outback, where his relationship with the art of shoeing a horse began. I'm fortunate enough to be able to have conversations with with people who have got quite interesting jobs yeah. um, and an interesting story, <clears throat> which is, I think, uh, I'd like to know a bit more about, about your story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'll, see, I'll bore you if you want. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, please do. Because <laughs> clearly from your, from your name, from your accent, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. Not a, uh, you didn't grow up in Britain. No, 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 you know, you know, I was born in Denmark. You were born in Denmark, yeah, yes. Yeah, that's it, yeah. So, um... Yeah, like, uh, my, my kids always point out, when I try and speak to them in Danish, it's like, speak properly. <laughs> <laughs> Do they speak Danish? My, my eldest son, Dylan, is actually quite good. Yeah, yeah. he's actually quite, he understands a surprising amount. Um, so I can, if we're alone, I can speak to him in Danish, and he'll reply back in English, but he will understand most. Uh, like Charlie and Sienna, Sienna has a. Uh, she's not that interested in learning it. I think she's just like, ah, oh, just speak to me so I can understand you. <laughs> she's got no time. No, for no, and 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 Charlie, Charlie, a little, a little bit. Well, it doesn't take much. You know, you go to Denmark and spend and spend a week with my with my sister and my brother, and they've got kids, um, and uh, they come home so much better. Uh, they got home so much better. Yeah, and the problem is now because people in Denmark have been taught. English from such a young age. Yeah. Then the and my sister's daughter, she's the eldest of all those kids, and she's eleven now as well, same as my daughter, and she's not pretty good at English. So all of a sudden, she's not very good at English. No, she is she's really getting. Yeah, she's getting yeah. a lot better. Yeah. 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 She's getting a lot better. Yeah. So you all speak English when you're together. Um, yeah. Yeah. We yeah. do. We do. We do. We should speak more Danish, but uh, yeah. So having my sister over now, actually, she's staying with us, and uh, yeah, we speak to each other in Danish, and uh, yeah. <laughs> I saw an interview on Countryfile on Sunday night. Yeah. They were interviewing a guy in Wales, and he was speaking Welsh. What? Like really quite. I mean, I, I, there is a, there's a big um, resurgence <laughs> in Welsh. <laughs> But I think surely you can speak English, but then, but I kind of respected the fact that yeah. you're, you're in my manner, I'm going to speak well. It's, it's, it's funny though, isn't it? Because it becomes like a statement all of a sudden. But, but the, yeah. only, the, only, the, the only thing the guy's doing is speaking his language. Yeah. But you sort of think, well, you limit yourself to, uh, I suppose I can subtitle. Well, that's what they did. Yeah, yeah. they subtitled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if you're more comfortable speaking Welsh, then. Why not? Yeah. And if you are in Wales... Yeah, well, like proper North Wales. Yeah, but you know, I go to Denmark now, and uh, I've had it a few times where I go into a bar in Denmark, and I'll speak to wherever the bartender in Danish, and uh, he'll be like, I'm, I'm really sorry, but I don't really do Danish, so but could you, do you speak English? Seriously? Like, what? what country are we in? And I don't mind, but it's still, I still find it a little bit strange that you can work in a bar and not speak. It's like, it's like if you walk into a bar in England and say, oh, can I can have a pint. 
Oh, monsieur, je ne parlais pas euh, anglais. <laughs> Parlez-vous français? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> yeah, but weird. Yeah. But um, I suppose that's what happens when you're only six million people and... Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it is, it, is, it is what it is, but it is strange. It is strange. I mean, because you have the other end of the spectrum, and that's my, my grandparents, they're now nearly 80, oh, sorry, nearly 90, and they don't speak English, you know. So, um, when we're all together, we have to speak to them. Or oh, my kids still have to speak to them in Danish. Keeping the, <laughs> keeping the language alive. Yeah, uh, 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 I think it's important. I think it's important. Yeah, and, I think um, so, yeah. And I think it becomes more important probably when you, when you leave a country so because I've left Denmark I probably feel I probably feel stronger it's like when I go back home and I hear someone speak on the radio and they use an English term where there's a perfectly good Danish one it annoys me <laughs> it just annoys me <laughs> you know but I've had I've had when you talk languages I've had friends here that have in all seriousness asked me what what what, what language we speak in Denmark and they have been because they've then seen me maybe speak with my, my dad or family on the phone and, and they look at me like, what is that? <laughs> I don't even Denmark, but what is that? Yeah, it's very alien. Do you forget the, the language? So do you, do you ever get to a point where you think, oh, I'm not quite sure of the word of that? Yeah, yeah. definitely. In both Danish and English, of course. Yeah. yeah. It, is, it is limiting. Actually, for both, because... And you speak to some family or friends on the phone in Danish and then you're struggling finding the words and English is still my second language so I'm not, I don't feel like I am as, maybe can articulate myself quite as well in English compared to Danish. It's just not my, you know, it's not the language I was born. Yeah. I mean, I failed English in school. Really? Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's funny, I've moved over here and literally, I, I, I didn't even pass it in school. In, and that was in Denmark. <laughs> yeah, so. And so do you, I don't, you probably get asked this question all the time. Do you dream in Danish or do you dream in English? That's probably, probably just a combination. I suppose, because I don't remember many of my dreams, but I suppose the logic answer would be that if I'm dreaming about an English person, with the way where you have conversations, then this probably isn't English. But if I dream about something that is happening in Denmark, then it would probably be in Danish. But uh, unfortunately, I don't remember many of my dreams. And, so, and do you, do you, I, I know, because I don't really speak very well many other languages, but no. I'm always, con if, if you're thinking of like, yeah. foreign words, you yeah. sort of think, what's the English word? Yeah. And sort of think. Yeah, that's the problem. That, that, that's what you should not do. Yeah, because if you if you then if you then think in English, then you are only thinking in words that you can that you know and you can express yourself in. Where you start and translate it from Danish, you'll constantly be like, "Oh, this word in Danish, what is that in English?" Yeah, and then then you just got to get bogged down in I don't know. You spend your your life with a nose in a dictionary. Maybe eventually you get really good, but I think it's much easier if you. Just try and limit yourself to the vocabulary you have, and the best way of doing that is by just thinking in the language you're speaking. And then just speak it. Yeah, and just speak it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, it's 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 strange because there's probably certain uh, areas. Like now, if I talk, so I love my archery, but all the archery I do has been in England, so I know the whole vocabulary surrounded 
surrounding archery has yeah. been learned in English. Yeah. So now when I speak about it in Danish, it sounds it's like, what is that thing called? What is that thing on a bow or an arrow or that component or this thing that you do? What is that called? Because all of it has been learned or taught me in, in English. And I know that from my dad because my dad is in engineering and a lot of his professional work is all in English. But obviously he's Danish. So, But, but when it comes to talking about computers or engineering and stuff like that, then his vocabulary in English is probably much better because that's the sort of the working language, especially if you're in, in, owned by an international company and travel a lot and it's all in English. So, yeah, yeah. Crazy. Yeah, it is, yeah, yeah. So by profession, you are a farrier. That's it. Which that's is how it. I know you. You have looked after our horse's feet, 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 hooves mm-hmm. for many, many years. I don't know how long you've actually... Yeah. I've actually known you, so it feels like a long time. Yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be pushing. Did I have kids when I started? Uh, was that... oh, I can't remember. Yeah, I have a feeling it was around that time. I mean, I had kids quite soon after coming to the UK. Um, but I think we'd be we're, we're around the ten-year mark. I yeah, think. It must be. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. how long have you been a farrier? <clears throat> so I qualified back in Denmark in two thousand and seven. And then shortly after, I uh, I moved to the UK. The story is at me and my wife. Let's let's let's. We probably have to go sort of really go back to be honest into the to the to the beginning because I mean I really never had any uh, any desire as such or any childhood dream of, of being of becoming a farrier. But um, like many things in life, it's something that you fall into partly because you want to do it and partly because that's just the way that life takes you. Yeah. And it, 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 that is just the, the, the truth of many of the things we end up doing. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, so, so when I was 20, yeah, 20, so 20 years ago, I'm 40 now, so 20 years ago, uh, I uh, decided to go to Australia. I got a visa for Australia for a year. So I had a, had, a, had a working permit so I could work in Australia for a year, which was quite handy because I had absolutely no money. So I had to work, you know, I, I, I didn't, I, did, I was not fortunate enough to sort of have a pot of money and just backpack around Australia and yeah. I don't know. So, and it was actually the biggest blessing in disguise ever because I, um, I met most amazing people out there and I, I worked uh, doing everything from um, I worked at a sandblasting yard, so I did sandblasting in a in a forty foot container in a massive suit. Looks a bit like like an old like diving suit in there all day. I think the guy I worked for was very happy because he hated being in that shit himself. So <laughs> I was in there all day, and fruit picking, and I worked out on some big cattle stations as well, which was my dream going to Australia. So was that in the west? So two two places. One one was in Northern Territory, at a at a at a, uh, at a station called Moololoo, um, and um, in the other place was in Kimberleys, which is in Western Australia along the Gibb River Road. Yeah, it's quite a famous road running through. Um, it's a dirt road running through Kimberleys, which is like a mountainous area in Western Australia. But the first place, Moololoo, I was there for four months, and I had an absolute amazing time there. And uh, all the all the mustering of the stock was done on horseback, so I was given straight away three horses. Eventually, I had four horses that I rode in in, in turns, and um, 
just 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 great great people and extremely extremely hard work we worked 12 hours a day seven days a week i had one day off in four months um but there was a cook there didn't have to worry about cooking all you had to do was wash your own clothes and then get up in the morning and and, and work and could you write before yeah, yeah 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 so 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 i was able to write before um I think my mum had already, the, the interest in horses always, always came from my mum. She was one of those people that was never, her family never had the means or the inclination to, uh, to, to sponsor their daughter in horse riding. Yeah. So when she had kids herself, I probably mentioned when I was seven, <laughs> oh, I, I think those ponies look cute or something like that. And she was straight down to the local pony club and, and there I was every Wednesday. And uh, yeah, so I learned to ride from a young age. Yeah. And uh, so at least I, at least I knew that. Um, but in Australia, uh, it was sort of going back, uh, re relearning it. And I, I think that's what was a very humbling experience because I worked with people that were horsemen, proper horsemen. That's yeah. what they've done. Like most of the people I worked with in Mulaloo, I mean, they hadn't been to a town that was bigger than, I mean, I say Red Hill, that was probably a, a mega city for them, you know. It was, it was very remote, very, um, very, yeah, very rural, and, and horse riding was just something you did. Yeah. I mean, so. Did that, they ride western as well? No, they didn't. No, so, so they had what they called, it was more of a, 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 so they didn't have the western saddle as you have in the States because we didn't, we didn't use lassoes, lassoes. So yeah. they, you didn't have that, I don't know, that hub thing, that thing on the front of the western saddle that you hang your lasso on yeah. but it was a it was a very comfortable i say a, a sort of a, a, i think they just called australian stock saddle yeah um a saddle that was probably adapted to many hours um yeah many hours of riding very comfortable to be honest i don't really remember i don't really remember thinking that much about like i mean it's it's crazy thinking about it now because i know people have I mean, they spend fortunes on having saddlers and fitted all this. I think I had one saddle, and that yeah, saddle fitted them all. Yeah. You know, that was it. <laughs> and 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 um, so sorry, horses. I hope you were all right, but <laughs> I certainly had a sore ass. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was that was. Uh, so what happened out there was because it was so remote. So Mulalu was. I think it was nearly 400 kilometers from the nearest town, um, which was Catherine. It's not that far from Ayers Rock. Yeah. And it's in the middle of, just south of Darwin. Yeah. Um, and um, so, so getting a farrier is, 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 is it's just not going to happen. So what they did was they had a farrier coming out giving a course in how to shoe, for them to shoe their own horses. Right. Yeah. And like, you know, obviously now being a qualified farrier yourself, that's probably not the best way of doing it, but but they really didn't have much choice. You know, if you couldn't do it yourself, you couldn't just ring a fairy and they'll come and do it. You have to be able to do it yourself. Uh, so I had a little taster of doing it. And, and then I, when I came back to the, uh, to the, to the uh, came back to Denmark, my mum's um, my, my fairy was there one day and I went and had a chat with him and I was considering doing something along those lines. And he was actually looking for an apprentice. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just one of those things. We we got chatting, and and, and uh, a very nice guy. He's a good friend of mine today. And uh, there it was. You know, went out with him for a week, and 
signed a contract and that was the beginning of my full year apprenticeship out there yeah that's quite, that's quite a long apprenticeship then isn't it four yeah, years yeah, it is, but there's yeah. I think there's a lot more to it than people really think yeah and I think it's one of those uh, it's one of those um, skills that, that you could I could I could explain the basics of shoeing a horse to you very simply it's not it's not rocket science the basics are actually quite 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 easy to explain to someone yeah um, but everything is awkward so actually applying it is extremely awkward everything from holding the horse's legs to I mean you should see I mean I was I was I was doing um, I was helping the uh, Metropolitan Police out um, in their in their in their training facility at Imbacourt for about a year and part of what I did there was a what they wanted me to do every now and again was to show the new recruits how to just take a shoe off. You yeah. know, if they're out and 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 a, and a horse pulls the shoe half off, you really want to get that shoe off as quick as you can so that the horse doesn't get lame. And um, giving them a little crash course and taking a shoe off, you know, big strong police recruits. They were <laughs> they were huffing and puffing, and so it's 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 one of those things. It's just it just takes a long time. And also it takes a long time to see a lot of different cases. So when you have all sorts of um, issues with horses, I mean, a lot of the issues with horses in general are in some way related to their feet. It's quite a fragile, the whole leg and the foot structure of, a, especially the leg, uh, it's quite a, it's quite a, um, it's quite a delicate structure really because you have the muscles sitting up extremely high up in, in, in the horse and in the leg and then it's all like it's all levers and pulleys and you've got all tendons and ligaments then pulling the limb and uh, it, it is um, where was I going with this it is um, it's quite a fragile fragile sort of arrangement extremely strong and efficient but when something goes wrong it is very often that that as a fairy you get involved in the shoeing because the way we shoe the horses can, can have a great benefit of how a horse can recover from injury uh, or, or, or just in all, in all more generally making the horse more comfortable, uh, making sure that they're not overstretching any tendons, any ligaments, putting, putting the right pressure on the legs and the joints and being, being level in the way they're loading their feet. Um, it, it, and that takes time. Yeah. And, and being able to spot and see how a horse should be, had his feet cut back and able to make it balanced in the way it walks and seeing what type of shoe would benefit the, the horse. I mean, if you, don't, if you haven't seen a lot of different cases of horses with issues and lameness, it, 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 you really know, wouldn't know where to start. Yeah. So, and I've been very fortunate working um, both as a great, my, my great boss I had in Denmark um, teaching me and also coming to the UK. Um, I've worked in the beginning, I worked for three, four different farriers, helping them out, and you learn a lot. Yeah. yeah. So you did your four years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, then came to the UK. Yeah, what, came, what motivated the move to the UK? Um, well, well, that was a, that was a little detail of my uh, of my one year in Australia. So I also oh, okay. met, met my wife. <laughs> well, my, my my now wife. Yeah. Um, we were we were picking what the what were we picking? We were picking um, peppers or capsicums, as the Australians call them. Okay. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> where was that? I, I think I, I think it was Stanthorpe 
Or was it Gun? I think it was Stanthorpe. They have some funny names up there. Yeah. I, did, I did the tree pruning in a place called Gundagai, and I get the towns mixed up. But I think it was called Stanthorpe. Yeah. And we were, we were sort of closest to slave laborers there in the fields. <laughs> yeah. The farm was owned by a couple of Italian brothers, the Mario brothers, and they were proper whipcrackers. <laughs> and uh, yeah, working there in the field. I, was, I had the privilege of driving the tractor and uh, Caroline was filling up a bucket with, um, with, with peppers and every time it was full, she would shout, bucket! <laughs> and I'll, I'll, I'll drive over and, and empty it. And somehow she took a fancy to me and, and uh, we actually ended up splitting up out there. Not that we ever got together first, but, but our journey split up. Yeah. So I met her there and then four months passed and I hadn't seen her or been in any contact with her. And then she turns up in Darwin, when I was there, ah. and uh, and we get together in Darwin and travel around Australia, and it ends up with me. I turn I turn twenty one when I'm out there, and we end up in uh, we were in Brisbane at the time, and uh, I had a funny old birthday. I was traveling. I had my birthday on the uh, on the eleventh of October, and uh, I think the next day I was I was I was going back to Denmark, right. and Caroline she was staying out there. Um, so I went back to Denmark and she went on traveling and actually went on to, she's got family in South Africa. So I went to South Africa uh, with a friend, still a great friend of ours. And uh, I don't know, I, I still think it's quite surprising, it still surprises me really to this day, but she's, she, 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 she decided to move to Denmark. Wow. Yeah, so she, she went back to the UK for a brief two weeks and then moved to Denmark with me. We stayed with my parents for a couple of weeks and then we actually bought a place together in Copenhagen. <laughs> Whirlwind romance. I know, I know, I know, I know. But bless her for various reasons. She just, she was just homesick, and uh, I think English people do get homesick. I think, I think, I think, I think, as much as people in the UK moan about Britain, I think they really <laughs> quite like it. And, and, yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. I I did some travelling. Yeah. I quite enjoyed it. <laughs> but you're still here. I came back, yeah. You came back, yeah. yeah. But that was partly for love as well. Well, probably, mostly. Yeah. Don't let Mel know that, though. <laughs> I think you just have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no more now. It was just... <laughs> yeah, it's getting a bit mushy. Yeah. <laughs> but we yeah. went to Australia. Did and you? And so we went along the Gibb River Road. Oh, did you really? So from um, Broome. Oh, yeah, I remember Broome, yeah. So Broome on the... So the, the West Coast. It is, yeah, yeah. We actually won a trip to Australia. Oh, really? Mm, yeah, and then we felt really guilty about it. Oh, it was quite, it's quite a funny story. Yeah? We were, it was summertime. There was a, an advert on the radio. They were advertising, do you remember the film Australia with Nicole Kidman? And she, it was all about driving cattle along the Gibb River. Oh, really? I've never from, seen it. Never watched it. It's quite a good film, actually. It, it, sounds, it sounds like it's right up my street. But um, <laughs> Didn't you've been it. out there. Yeah, but, yeah. So they, they follow her from Broome through the outback yeah. to Darwin, so yeah, where they yeah, sell yeah. all the cattle in Darwin. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and so there was a competition advertising the, the film. Yeah. And so we were, we were off to do the horses, so in the car. And Mel said, well, you should, we'll, we'll win that. <laughs> Let's phone up later. Because they were saying, you know, there'll be a competition at three o'clock. Yeah. And so Mel said, oh, we, we, we best win that. And we had a little chuckle about it. When brought the horses in, 
coming back, they started advertising it again, phone in, managed to get home and in the garden, and we're sitting in the garden, and Mel said, just phone, just phone. I'm like, I don't want to phone. I don't. And she just rang the number, put the phone in my hand, <laughs> and um, it rang for ages, so a good 30 seconds, and um, the presenter just came on the phone and there was a qualifying question you had to answer and I thought I must be about third or fourth in the queue because they took so long to answer uh, and so they went to an advert and then came back and I was the first person on Wow! and they asked some questions about it was about Nicole Kidman I can't remember the question and, I, and in that pressure it's amazing how your mind just goes blank and so I didn't it felt like forever I answered the question, and there's a delay. They put a delay on the line so you don't swear or on air. <laughs> and Mel's in the garden just screaming. I thought, oh no, I've got it wrong. Um, but so oh, she heard the result, but I had got it right. So she's running around in the garden. And um, yeah, so we, 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 we had the opportunity to go yeah. to. We flew to Perth. Yeah. And then from Perth to Broome. Yeah. And there is. I, they probably still run it now, but yeah. there's a there's a uh, a tour that one half starts in Darwin yeah. and drives through the outback. All right, yeah. And then there's a the, the other half goes from Perth to Broome, oh. and so the Perth to Broome bit yeah. is uh, on like a traditional coach. Yeah. It's all paved down there. All right, yeah. And yeah. then the top part is yeah. it's like a big four wheel drive truck. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a bit. They, it looked like you know those support vehicles for the of a Dakar. Yeah, 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 yeah. They yeah. look like one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, and then they meet in Broome, and okay. then they sort of swap. And you can either do one half of it. Oh, you want to do the you want to do the four wheel drive uh, well, version? Yeah. So yeah. we we ended up yeah. landing. So we flew to Perth, and it was quite nice, quite nice weather, sort yeah. of twenty yeah. odd degrees, yeah. and then got on the plane. It's amazing how big Australia is. I don't think you. It's no. just phenomenal. No. 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 We'd flown for we were on a plane for like twenty two hours yeah. to get there, yeah. and then we had a night in Perth. Yeah. Up the next morning. And there's another three-hour flight yeah. to get from Perth to Broome. That's incredible, isn't it's it? It's just like, ridiculous. You think about three-hour flights. So a flight from here to Denmark, that's one and a half hours. Yeah. So that's twice the distance. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose it's 45 minutes to Scotland. You're up and then down. It's crazy. It's, it's <laughs> absolutely crazy. Um, I took... I took... Um, I wasn't... I was, my, my, my first job out there, or well, my, my job out there, the first job on the cattle station, I... I, I I was I was op- I was offered the job to me, um, and I was in Queensland, and the job was in Northern Territory. And um, I said to the guys, his name was Mark, and um, I said to him, I really want to come and work for you, but it, Mark, I, I I I can't actually afford the bus fare. I haven't got any money. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, he said, well, I'll pay it for you if you come and do. At least three months here with me, and said, I'll pay it for you. And it took three and a half days. Yeah. Three and a half days by bus. Oh, that's a couple of stops, and like, you know, you probably had to sit and wait for the next one, but three and a half days. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. I do remember driving, so it, I mean, it was baking in 
green. So yeah, so it just yeah, and tropical as well. It was like, the difference was just. But I'm thinking. So I never went to Perth, but isn't there a big a difference between Broome and Perth in terms of the climate? It was probably like like Perth was was very much like a sp- like a late spring, early yeah. summer day. Yeah. Um, you know when the sun's shining, it's yeah, quite yeah, warm, yeah. Um, and then it's I think it was like 22, 23 degrees, yeah. and then Broome was something like thirty two, thirty three. Yeah. So it wasn't. It was a lot hotter, yeah, but it was yeah. just humid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we got off. We met this group, um, and they'd been so they'd come from Perth. Oh. And so they'd been travelling for, I think it was nearly three weeks. Oh, wow. So we then joined. And so there's all these little friendships that already... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we're on this four-wheel drive vehicle and every night you had to put your little tent up. And so we we were like zipping it up because we thought kangaroos were going to run through the tent. <laughs> and, and there was going to be spiders. And, and so it took a couple of days to just kind of get into yeah. the swing of it. yeah. yeah. And I do remember like, driving on the Gib River Road, looking at those cattle stations, yeah. and and you wave to people. If you see a car, you wave. Oh yeah. You don't see a car for the entire day. No, so if it's, it's like an event. No, and if it's stopped, you probably will just slow down and you're like, yeah, you're all right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The tour guide said, as we were driving along one of these roads, um, there's an airstrip there. And that's yeah. the last airstrip we'll see for like 10 days uh, um, and so we'll be if anyone gets injured that's the way out and I remember actually thinking and, I, and I'm from the countryside uh, and I don't uh, mind being outside there was a little moment where I thought oh this is quite serious yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and just it's just the vastness yeah. of it and I think uh, sure. once you then surrender to it uh, it's amazing uh, it's a uh, great great part of the world it is it is I I I I've spoken Spoke with other people about their experiences out there, uh, and, I, and I do think maybe I don't know how it is now, but at that time it was a great country, especially if you are, if you were a white man. Mm-hmm. I think if you had been a black gay going uh, traveling through Northern Territory, West Australia, maybe you would have had a different experience, which is unfortunate. Yeah. But um, or woman. Yeah. But um. Uh, I had I, I only I can only say I met some extremely nice people and funny enough more I remember sitting out in, in, in with people in the middle of nowhere and we were talking about Israel Palestine conflicts and they were not ignorant to what was going on in the world even though they lived so remotely and uh, it actually actually surprised me a little bit yeah I think I was very lucky with where I, with the people I met uh, uh. Yeah, I mean Darwin's a quite a hard town, isn't it? Yeah, I didn't, yeah. I didn't experience it like that. I, yeah. I quite like. I thought I, I mean, it really, bad. I, no, 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 but probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, I met some. Darwin didn't really. I don't really remember much of it. It was more actually, actually, uh, being out, being out in 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 the outback in the very small towns was. Uh, <clears throat> I'll tell you a funny story actually with 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 coming to, and it's quite. I don't know, it's sort of almost the world in a nutshell, I find, is that when I first landed in, in, uh, in Sydney, my mum used to work at a refugee camp in Denmark. Mm-hmm. And she made a, a great friend there, Vassam, who was a refugee from Iraq. And he later on moved to, emigrated to Australia from Denmark. Yeah. And they remained in touch. And actually, my little brother and my mum had gone out to visit them when there was the... Uh, I think it was during the Olympics. 
when that was in Sydney. Oh yeah, well, yeah, but that's two thousand, wasn't it? Yeah, and, and yeah. that that is probably when they when they left. Yeah, two thousand. So that's just before. What what is that? Yeah, so twenty twenty one twenty two years ago. Um, so so when I was traveling out there, my mum sort of said, "Well, I'll, I'll hook you up with Vissam, and he'll put you up for a few nights." And yeah, she must have known maybe he wasn't the most reliable person because. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know why because. He, he was meant to pick me up at the airport. <laughs> right. And I'm standing there in the airport waiting and there's nobody. <laughs> nobody. And I try to, I've got a phone number. And I call this phone number and there's nobody. But she had drawn me this little piece of paper with how to get to his place. And I don't know how the hell I found it. It was literally like, take this train towards this suburb. And take, I don't even know how she knew. But I managed somehow from this piece of paper to find my way to his flat, which was like on the outskirts of Sydney. <laughs> so I, 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 I didn't turn up at his door. And I think he was his girlfriend opened the door and she sort of looked at me like, who the hell are you? <laughs> and I'm like, well, this is not good. And, uh, and she says, oh, but... And, and then apparently Vissam had gone to the airport to try and fix me, he'd just been late, but I had no way of knowing that. So anyway, I was there. But I was, for, I was in Sydney for a couple of weeks. And I was, um, I don't know, it was, it was so lonely. You know, it's like you're in a big city and nobody gives a shit about you. Yeah. You know, you're just a small <laughs> fish in a big pond. And I remember going into sort of the city centre and trying to go to a few bars and nobody talks. I mean, it was, it was, I think also maybe after a little while, it was getting me down a little bit as well because you know no one. And, um, but then... Where this guy Vassam lived, there was a little hotel down the road. And I think it was the last night in Sydney. I was traveling further up north the next day. And I go down to this hotel and there was a bar at the hotel. And all of a sudden, you know, you go into this sort of little suburby bar place and had a best, best, best night. It's just one of those nights, you know, there's a great band there playing and like chatting to the bartenders. They're a friendly bunch of guys. And I don't know, I think we ended up like, after the bar closed, we stayed on a few guys. We were playing chess and cards <laughs> and into the early morning. And, and then the next day I left. But I found that the point of the story was that, that, that I found almost that the most, when you're traveling, especially on your own, that the most, the friendliest people are in the smallest places. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the little communities. People, people, people in Sydney don't give, they get so many backpackers, they don't care. Yeah. But all of a sudden, if you're in some little remote town traveling through, Oh, that's a new guy. I wonder where he's from. He's from Denmark. Where the hell is Denmark? And it doesn't take one second going into a pub somewhere uh, in, a, in a town somewhere and you, you, you're chatting with people, having a great night, you know, and people are so friendly and welcoming. And yeah, that's my experience, at least. Yeah, it's an amazing, amazing part of the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'd love to go back. Have you been back since? No, 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 never. I don't know if I will. No? No. <clears throat> I've got this I mean I was ready to I could have easily moved out there well I think sometimes sometimes we just got to park somewhere so an experience somewhere and say okay let's let's do something else but not, not maybe I would always try and compare it to what I had that you know all those years ago and it probably wouldn't it wouldn't be the same now as well I'd be going out there with kids and you know I couldn't just go and say oh I'm just going to do three months at a, at a cattle station or it's, it's just, it was a time that was great yeah. then, but actually there's, there are other things now I'd rather do. Yeah, I remember being disappointed going back to 
America more recently. Okay. So I did a couple of summers in uh, the late 90s, uh, so 97, 98, uh, 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 in Massachusetts, uh, which is a great part. I love it up there. Uh, but I, I went to see friends in, I think it was sort of 2008, 2009, maybe even a bit later than that. And I know a lot of people down the East Coast, so I, I, I think I ended up taking eight flights all in the space of about 10 days. Really not good for my carbon footprint. No. Um, and it all looked the same. Every place that I went to really? the East Coast, it just looked like... Yeah. Yeah, it didn't really have the same kind of character. It was a bit disappointing. Yeah, it sounds a bit disappointing, yeah. 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 But but, but where were you? Were you were you travelling and visiting towns, cities, or were you So I worked <sighs> I worked on a summer camp. We me and Mel was it Camp America? It was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I saw an advert in um it was quite funny actually. I remember seeing an advert in college yeah. go and work on this camp. Yeah. And I remember thinking yeah, that sounds like fun, I'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. got the advert, and I remember saying to my mum, yeah. I've seen this advert, and she said, oh yeah, you should do that. Because I think she was always quite disappointed that she never did anything like that. Oh, so it's a bit like your mum and... Yeah, 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 exactly. You quite, sometimes you, yeah. So she was, yeah, do it. And and I just sort of parked it, yeah. and but sent off the application, sent off the fee, and the, all the pack came back, and... And it it just kind of rumbled on like that, yeah. and then I remember there was a guy f- like he sent an email saying, "I'd like to speak to you. We've potentially got a job for you." Okay. So this call was arranged. So I spoke to this American guy, yeah. um, and he said, "Oh yeah, we'd like you if you'd want to come." Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> Put the phone down, and then you know all the way up until the day before, just hadn't really thought about what I was actually no. doing, no. and then the day of actually going. I just thought, oh my God, what am I doing? Um, and then it all suddenly then hit you that, oh, yeah, it's actually real, it's actually happening. Because uh, it's before the days of the internet where you could kind of Google where you were going and have a look at it. Yeah, yeah, you, there was none of that. No. And so then I remember flying out and then getting picked up at, at the airport. It was a Jewish boys' camp. Uh, so I got picked up by a rabbi uh, who was working at the camp uh, 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 in this big American car. Actually, no, that was the second time. The first time, it was like a bus. Yeah. You know, like the sort of thing you'd see on the A-Team. Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Okay, they do yeah. have some cool cars, don't they? Like yeah. a Dutch. It would be like a Dutch. Was, yeah, like a big Dodge. I'd always wanted a Dutch. Thing. Yeah. You, you want one until you drive them, and then yeah. you realise how rubbish they are. Yeah. Yeah, so did... did uh, yeah. And I, I went back for the second for a second year as well. Yeah. Um, and then you made loads of friends, travelled a lot. Yeah. Mel came out as well, so we'd do two months at camp, Mel would fly out, oh, yeah, yeah, and then we'd travel for... What did you do at the camps? What was the whole... Like, was it, I almost like imagined it as sort of, almost like a little bit Boy Scouty like like... It was very Boy Scouty, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, so it was Jewish uh, boys, uh, and, um, and so though, I suppose it was, it was a camp that had been going for, I think it started in the 30s, uh, so it had this really big history of... Um, traditions that they did okay um it was a bit like me and mel watched a documentary about friday the 13th which oh, i don't yeah. know if you've ever seen that that's, i'm not sure i oh, know but that's it's not scary a, well it's it's, it's a horror <laughs> film set on, a, on a, a, a a summer camp <laughs> well, i don't think i have seen and it, it. looks just like that oh really yeah oh no um, i'm gonna sip up that tent at night 
Yeah, well, it that was. That that's going to help yeah, you. No, yeah, no, the slasher is still. <laughs> yeah, the slasher. Um, but there was a big lake <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, they had uh, boats and uh, go sailing. But I was there to teach photography. Okay. So out of all the kids and all everyone there, they're all you know nicely tanned because they're all out playing sport all you day. The, and then I'm the pale British guy with specs because I'm in the, <laughs> the I'm in this dark room all day. <laughs> um, but yeah, I taught them how to take take pictures yeah. and did all the developing and well, hopefully that got you out and about with it. oh yeah because yeah. we'd then go out and do projects yeah. with them yeah. which was great and taking them out hiking that's photographing nature and that's a good experience it was really good I yeah. enjoyed it yeah. Yeah. yeah but going back second time wasn't wasn't the same so so I did those two summers and felt you know and it, oh I see okay summers. yeah so so you went you went back again like the summer after your first trip? Yeah. Okay, I see. And those two were good experiences. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. And then you had a, had then, a trip back there, sort of, what, more recently? Yes, I can't remember. I think well, I'd been a few times, so quite. Uh, so, because I'd made a, you know, we, we made a lot of friends over there, so uh, we would go and we went to see them. They'd come over to us, um, and then they started having families, so we didn't travel as much. Uh, and then I think it must have been, I can't remember. It was quite a while after there was a big gap, yeah. and I and I went on my own, and it just was yeah it just it's changed so yeah. much yeah. as a lot of the world has yeah. like, there's yeah. the uniqueness yeah. of you yeah. go into any city centre, it all looks the same. It all does. Looks Starbucks and yeah, it does yeah yeah. yeah. yeah.